You know, sometimes they tell kids, or you may have heard it when you were young, about the dream. Living life, and one day you should dream big, and one day you'll live the dream life, and you should hope, and you should work towards that. You ever been told to dream big as a child, and dream for unbelievable things? Yeah, you've been told that? I don't like it. And I'm going to tell you why in a few minutes. This week's parasha is... You can open the door, you let them in. This week's parasha... I will force them in, now. I'm joking. This week's parasha is the... This week's parasha is the most challenging parasha in the book to give a class on. It's parasha Tiruma, which is about the dimensions in the bad time, in the Mishkan. So I could sit here and give a class about the size of the altar and how high the menorah was and the length of the Aron and uh, I think 15 minutes would be too long. So instead, but I'm going to give a class to give a discuss one vessel in the Mishkan and learn what I think we can learn something very powerful from it. And that is the Shulchan. They had in the Mishkan, there was a table. If you picture in the Mishkan, which is where God rested, there was the Aron, which is the Holy of Holies, and then there was the Kodesh, which is the Holy, and in it had three vessels, a Mizbeach, a Menorah, and a Shulchan. An altar, a Menorah, and a Shulchan. The Shulchan was the table. And the table basically had it had on it the pile of the Lechem Apanin, there were shelves of bread, so on, and the Torah tells us the dimensions of this table. I'm going to give you the dimensions. It was one Amah by two Amot. One by two. And the height was one and a half. What's unique about this vessel over all the others, is the others were, how do I say this right? They were all the same. Which means that the Aron, all its dimensions were halves. One and a half by one and a half by two and a half. The Mizbeach, all its dimensions were whole. Two by five by three. It was even. This was different. The sides were one, were one by two, which are whole numbers. And the height was a half a number. Why does this have a split? Part of its dimensions are halves and part of the dimensions are whole. Good? I'm sure you're dying to know the answer to this question. We're going to try to answer this question. We're not going to discuss the dimensions. Give me a few minutes. We'll get back to it. You know, we discuss, when you talk about tests, Mr. Lai tells us that in life, we have a lot of tests. And almost everything we have is a test. Wealth is a test. Poverty is a test. Happiness is a test. Being sad or depressed is a test. Being healthy is a test. How you use your health. Being talented is a test. Being not talented, or God forbid not so healthy, is also a test. Most of these tests you've heard of, you maybe you've gone to classes about, it's no, you know, I don't have to explain to you why poverty is a test. I don't have to explain to you why being very smart is a test, or being not talented is a test, or being depressed is a test. But I think there's a test that is underrated and underappreciated, and maybe I think it's a test that almost every single one of us experience all the time. And that is a test of trying to get total control of your life. We all try and we all want to have control. Like to feel like we got everything in order. 
we have our kids are straight, our spouses are good, our parents are healthy, our finances are secure, and everything, we like to have everything where we feel, you know what, we're in control, everything is the way we'd like it to be, everything is secure, we, we got it. And it's almost impossible to really achieve it. And most of us spend our whole life running and running, trying to grasp it, and we finally get it. You know what? We have a good job, and we have a good income, but our husband's not happy. Or our husband's happy, but we have one kid who's doing very poorly in school. Or finally, we got all the kids organized in school, and our parent isn't feeling well. There always seems to be something that's out of our control. And when you think about it, I'll give you just as an example, you put a seed in the ground. You put a seed in the ground, and you think, and you put the seed, and you plant it. It's a fairly simple job. Take a seed, put it in the ground, and a tree will grow, right? In reality, 90% of the process is totally out of your hands. The soil, how the soil works, that the soil is healthy, that the rain falls, that the sun shines, that the weather is good, that no one walks all over it. You have one little piece of the process. You took it, put it, and left. Or you put some water on it. But the whole concept of how it's created is totally out of your hands. And most of your life is the same way. Your income, your family, your children, most of your life is really not fully in your control. You run and you try and we hope we get it and always seems to be there's something that we just can't get a handle on. The Pasuk says, or I like to give this as an example of what life is life sometimes, is you ever go to play in arcades? Anyone here go to arcades ever? Gone to arcades? Now, when you were kids. Okay. Take your kids or anything. There's this game called Whack-A-Mole. You know what Whack-A-Mole is? Yeah, you know the game. What it is, is, is basically there's like a little frog pops up and you take a thing, you try to hit it and then when you hit it, another frog pops up and then you hit that guy and then two pop up and you try to hit both at the same time and then three come up and you get all three and another one comes up and you're like this going crazy trying to get everyone down and you got seven down another two pop up that's life you got three things that you have totally under control they're good you don't have to worry about and yet there's two other things that are crazy and then you have finally you solve this one you've been waiting to get this daughter married for ten years finally you got her married and now you're worried about another kid who's another one of your children whose child isn't doing well there's always seems to be something that pops up something that when you think you got a grip you don't. I read there's a pasuk. The pasuk says, "Vatas Adam hayam." God made man like the fish in the sea. And what does that mean? He made man like the fish in the sea. Sir Shlomo Al Kabitz has a very nice analogy. He says, if you look at the fish, you know we know how the fish work. There's big fish and there's little fish, and the process basically is that the big fish eat the little guys, right? He says, but there's something so, you could picture it. You have this big fish, he's racing in the sea, and he goes, and he finally catches a little fish. The problem is, if you would cut open this big whale, and look inside, and look at the little fish, you'll see that the little fish are facing head first. Now, I don't understand. If the fish were flying away, and the big guy was running after him, and he finally caught them, they should be in his mouth, tail first. Why are they inside head first? So does, how do you explain it? He says, I'll tell you how. Because here's what happens. Is that the big fish comes and he runs 
and he's swimming as fast as he can. The little guys see him coming, and the little thousands of little fish, they're scurrying away, and they're swimming, and they're swimming as fast as they can, for one mile, two miles, they're swimming, and they're swimming, and they're swimming, and they're swimming, and finally they're free, free from the big fish. And out of no place comes another big guy and swallows them. And so they got it, they did it, they finally got there. And boom, they got eaten by another big fish. So they're inside, head first, because they were running, running away, until they were caught by another person. Very, very often we have the same thing. We could spend five years, ten years working on something, overcoming something, dealing with something, and then, at no place, something happens. To give you a small example, it happened to me, just a small story. A few weeks ago, over intercession, I went like for a simple weekend to the mountains. So I went to the mountains, I told my wife, we'll go with the kids. I just have one condition. I need to be back in Brooklyn by four o'clock on Sunday afternoon. No problem, Joey. We'll be back Sunday afternoon. You sure? Yes, no problem. I said, you know, the kids will get all organized. They're going to go. Don't worry, Joe. Sunday afternoon, we'll be there 4 o'clock. She says, here's my deal. 1 o'clock, I said, we'll be, it's 1 o'clock. She says, we'll be in the car by 1 o'clock. I said, but you know, maybe you should give them lunch early. We'll give them lunch in the car. She says, Joey, I want to hear a word. 1 o'clock, we'll be in the car. Okay, good. So, Thursday, what's on my mind the whole time? I got to be back by 4 o'clock. Every back at four o'clock, is it gonna work out? Friday morning, the whole Shabbat, the whole time it's my mind. Sunday morning, we get the early shift on the snow tubing. The kids go, we finish at 12. The kids get eating their food, everything perfect. We get in the car at 12.58. Perfect! We get on the road, two minutes later, the highway is shut down for two hours because they claim that it's freezing rain and it's slippery and you can't drive. Shut down, parked. One o'clock, I'm on the highway, all ready to go, and my car is on the road between a thousand cars, not bumper to bumper, park, take the keys out, get out of the car, hang out on the side, there's nowhere to go, no other exits, nothing. You're here. Three o'clock, they removed the block, now you can go. I didn't see any ice, I didn't see any freezing, I don't know what they were talking about. For two hours, I had it all perfect, and the big fish came. And the truth is, so often you can have it all, you can think, you got it under control, you figure it all out, and then you're preparing a beautiful Shabbat, you got it all together, and ten minutes before Shabbat you realize uh, the oven is not working, or the hot plate broke, or you forgot one soup. It happens all the time, in little things, and it happens in big things as well. So how do you deal with it? The answer is, there's a pasu that says, Ekra lelokim elyon. I call out to God, Kel Gomer Alai. God that finishes for me. Which means that my understanding and approach is that I know I have to do my piece. But Kel Gomer Alai. But God is the one who's going to complete it. I don't have that ability. All I can do is put the seed in the ground. I can't guarantee it's going to grow. And all I can do is try to make my plans and try to plan for Purim. But I don't know that it's not going to rain and mess up the whole day. I don't. I do my job. I don't have to think about the completion. It says that we read it last week in the parasha that the Jewish people gave a mahasit hashekel. And it says that Hashem came to Moshe and He showed him the mahasit hashekel. So the commentary says, why does He have to show Moshe a mahasit hashekel? It's a half of a coin. It's not a very complicated thing. If I ask you to find a half a dollar, in ten minutes you can tell you what half a dollar is. You don't need a vision from heaven to see a half a dollar. So why is this such a big deal that Moshe has to be shown from heaven a mahasit shekel? What's God showing him? So I heard a very nice answer. Is that Hashem was not showing him the half a shekel. 
That's physical, simple. Moshe could get it from the store. God was showing him the other half. But Moshe said, oh, we're giving a half. What's a half? Why don't we give the whole thing? God said, no, no. You could only do half. I complete it. I'm the one who finishes the job. I can you see what you do. You understand what your job is. It's half the shekel. Hashem, my job is to complete. You can make the effort. You can do what you have to do. You raise your kids. You try. You try as hard as you can in your marriage. You try. You try to earn a living. But at the end of the day, if I'm, I'm the one who puts the other half of the shekel, I'm the one that makes it whole. And if we understand that mindset, it becomes a lot easier to deal with because, like I said, you try to get a grip and you try to get a control and you get a few things and there's always one frog that jumps up that just seems to be one item that's too slippery and we can't hold. Now, you know, it's funny because we've tried over the past 30 years, they've come up with so many inventions to try to help us do it, to try to help us get control. They invented a computer. The computer was going to make life much easier because then you had everything in front of you all stored, all kept okay. You didn't need you didn't need to go and have papers and files. You had it right there in front of you. A computer was an unbelievable thing to have, right? You got a computer. Then they invented a laptop, which makes it even easier. Now you could take it with you. And then they invented a Blackberry. You can make it almost a part of you. You have wherever you go, you have it all under your control. And yet, I don't know about you, but the more things we buy and the more this technology we use, the less control you feel. There's more emails to respond to and BBMs and text messaging and people are all busy. They have to fix their Facebook. There's so many things that are just, that make that. The more we have, the more we, I saw there's a new movement now online. There's some groups of people that are trying to start a secular Sabbath, which means that totally goyim, not Jewish, nothing like that, that they go 24 hours without technology. No cell phone, no computer, no TV, nothing. Because they're just so overwhelmed that they just need to take a break. I mean, it's amazing we have it already. But when I'm reading the article about it, they said that the average American, and this is not a chidush, the average American spends nine hours with one of these gadgets. TV, computer, cell phone, something like that, which I don't think is so surprising. Nine hours a day. The average American spends nine hours a day with one of these things. Now, to me, that number is surprising, but not shocking. What's more surprising is that the average American spends a third of that time using two of them at once. Now, that is America. That's us. That What are we doing? That while we're on the phone, we're answering an email. Or while we're watching a show, person's checking out, they're responding to the BBM on the computer. So they're... And you think, you think about it, you do it. With the wall, you're in one thing, you're on the phone, one thing, you're checking out an, uh, something on your voicemail, text message, while you're watching, we do it all the time. That, why? Because the more we try to get, and the more we've been given, the less control we've had, and we're trying to race and run and put it all together and put all the pieces and respond to everything at once, and we're like fish in the sea. We can't really fully get it together. So, if you understand that Hashem is the one who completes it, you'll understand and be able to deal with it. But I'm going to give you an approach from Abraham Avinu. Then I think if you have this approach, it can make this job a lot easier. The Pasuk says that Abraham Zaken Babayamim. Abraham was old. Hashem Berach et Abraham Bako. Hashem blessed Abraham with everything. 
Now the commentaries ask, what does this mean? He was old and he was blessed with everything. What does it mean he was blessed with everything? So, there's a lot of different opinions. Some say it means he had a daughter. Some say it means he had a, only had a son. Some say it means that he had a daughter whose name was Bako. Some say it means he had some kind of remedy that could heal almost any disease. I don't know. The Ramban has a very unique explanation. The Ramban says that Bakol doesn't is not talking about anything that he had. Bakol was a perspective that he had. That he looked and viewed his life that what I have is everything. I got it all. Hashem, this is what God gave me. This is everything that I need. And if you understand, look at that point in Abraham Avinu's life. His wife was already dead. His son, his good son, he didn't have till he was a hundred years old. And his other son was off the path. I don't know where he was. He had endured ten very hard tests in his life. And he's an old man. And he's saying, I have everything. The answer is, the perspective is that yes, this is what God gave me for right now today. It's everything that I need. It's everything. Now, this is a little different. I know you're used to the fact, oh, it says you should be satisfied with what you have. No, this is more than that. Satisfied with what you have means that God gave you a raw deal, but deal with it. That's not what this is. Bakol means that He didn't give you a raw deal. If He gave you this, in its entirety, the good, the bad, and the in between, it's everything that you need to live an unbelievable life. You have everything right now. You have everything. Now, maybe you need to try, you want to get a job, and you want to uh, make more money, or you want to have a child, or something, there's something that you want. But right now, for today, you have everything that you need to live a great life. Everything. Not almost, not that you got stuck, and this is what you have to deal with. God, if He gave it to you, it's everything you need. The Basuk then says that at the end of Abraham Abinu's life, He gave gifts to all His children. He had a few different children. And then he gave it kol asheloli Yitzchak. He gave everything he had to Yitzchak. So the commentary is, yes, that doesn't make sense. If he gave the other kids gift, you can't tell me Yitzchak got everything. If he had everything, there's nothing left for everybody else. As they say, no, it's not everything. What he gave Yitzchak was this perspective. There's this understanding that what I have, this is what God gave me, it's everything I need. And if you look later on in the parasha, when Yitzchak is dealing with the food that he was given from Yaakov and Esav, he says, Esav wants to give him food, he says, I don't need it. Ye'achalti mikol. I ate from everything that there is, because I have this, I have everything. I, it doesn't matter, he's blind, challenging son. Mikol, this is everything. This is what I have, this is everything I need. This is everything. The Pasuk then says that later on, when Yaakov meets Esav and the 400 men, so Esav is coming with his 400 men. And Esav, they offer each other gifts. Alright? So Esav tells Yaakov, You know, it's okay. Kiyesh li rav. I have a lot. Rashi on that pasuk says, I have a lot. It means I have a lot. But yeah, I have a lot. I'm very wealthy. I'm doing very well. I have a lot. But you know, I could use a little more. Doesn't hurt. I can always use a little more. Yaakov says, no. Keep the gift. Kiyesh li ko. I have everything. I have what my father had and my grandfather had. The blessing of this beautiful perspective that if this is what God gave me, it's everything I need to be, to be successful. You could keep it. Because Yeshli called. I have it. My father had it. My grandfather had it. The unbelievable perspective on life. If you can look at life this way, then you understand that happiness is not five years away, not 20 years away. It's not even 10 minutes away. It's right here today. God gave it to me today. For today, this is everything that I need. 
it's everything. And in fact, in the Birkat Hamazon, we say Harachaman and we ask God for a lot of different things, success, health, and so on. And at the end we say Harachaman, you should bless us, like you blessed our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, just like you blessed those three. Bakol, Mikol, Kol. What does that mean? Bakol is Hashem Berachet Abraham, Bakol. Mikol is what Yitzchak said, Achalti Mikol. And Kol is what Yaakov Avinu said, Yeshli Kol. I have everything. Beracha ken yevarech otanu beracha shelema. Give us that blessing, because that blessing is complete. You can have a house, you can have four homes, you can have 15 cars, you can have a thousand dollars, you can have ten million dollars, and you don't have a complete beracha until you have what Abraham Avinu had. That God gave me everything. That this right here is all I need. Understanding that, you know what, even though it doesn't feel complete, I do half the coin, God will finish the rest. Kel Gomer Because if you're running and you think happiness is somewhere else, you're never going to get it. And that's why I don't like when they tell kids, you know, dream. That impression is that when you're 40 years old, if you live the dream, when you're 40 years old, you're going to have this unbelievable, handsome prince husband who's going to come in every night. You're going to be have beautiful amount of money in the bank. You're going to own your three homes. You're going to have your two new cars. And life is going to be perfect. Your kids are going to be go to school perfectly, get up on time, go to sleep on time, look great, dress health, dress beautifully, healthy, never talk back. That day never comes. That day never, ever comes. If that's what you're waiting for, it's not happening. You know, maybe you can have a nice husband, you can have a good money, you can have a lot of things. But if you're waiting for that day, then you're going to find out when you get there that you probably were happier 20 years ago. That is never, you didn't need to get there to be happiness. Happiness happens when you decide, yes, we call that I have everything right now. And why do you think in this country we have more than we've ever had, and we have more depression, and more people on antidepressants than there ever was? Because they've been told, since they're five years old, dream and dream and live the dream and the dream, and they finally got it. They have more money than they ever dreamt. And they have more fame than they ever could imagine. And yet, they don't feel like this. Because if you don't have the perspective, you can have everything in your account, you can have every car you want in the driveway, and everyone can know your name, but you don't really have it until you have this idea, this understanding that Kel Gomer Alai, I can't do the whole thing. I never made it. I never got there. Life is, if I want to be happy, I can be happy in the next two minutes. Tonight, at my own home, I can be happy with what I have today. I'm here. God gave me everything I need to have a great day right now. The table, the Shulchan, the Be'at HaMikdash, was built, and it says that that was the source of blessing and Parnassah for all the Jewish people. And so this table represented, it represented the, how we were all sustained and our income in every single individual Jew. And the Torah is telling us, you want to know how to have a table that's healthy? You want to know how to have a table that feels a plenty of biracha? Because you have to be like this. You want to have a table that's complete, that's dimensions are complete? You have to understand that in its height, in your perspective, you have to understand that you're not going to have it all. That you have to break it in half. That's why its height is one and a half. 
Because if you're in half a little bit and you lower your percept, you understand that you don't need to have everything. You know, it's not somewhere else and I can break it down. If I bring the Mahazita Shekel and I do my half, then it can be complete. Then the table, the rest of the dimensions of the table will be whole. A whole table is in a mindset that's reserved. That's why the crown, in fact, they had, there was a border and on the border there was a crown. To tell you, you want to have a crown on your table, you want to have live a table of kings, put a border on it. Understand that you don't need to run out someplace else and buy some house and finally make the extension in order to find happiness. In this house, right now, with the broken floor in the basement, with a leak in the toilet, right now you can be happy. Right now, today. If it's with this, even with in what you have right now, you have everything you need to succeed. And that's what the message is of the Shulchan. That's why when the Jewish people would come during the time of the Beit HaMikdash, they would raise it up as if to tell everybody, as if to tell everybody, look at this. This is the source. This is the source of income. Is if you have this perspective that in your mind you understand you can't do it all, then you'll understand that you actually do have it all. I'm going to give you one little cute story. You may have heard this before, but I think it makes the point very clearly. There was this man little Mexican guy who lived on an island. He was a simple fellow and so every day he would go take out his little boat and he'd go fishing for a few hours. He'd collect some fish, eat some, sell some and then in the afternoon he would go with his friends and he'd go to the marketplace with his amigos and he'd sit around, they would talk, they would relax and they'd play their guitar. Then he'd come home at night and he'd walk with his wife on the beach under the moonlight. Nice, simple. One day a man from the big city came and he saw this man and he said, Senor, what are you doing? He says, oh, this is, you know, as I do. I take on my little boat, I go, I go fish. Then I come home, I eat, I go with my friends and my amigos in the marketplace, I play my guitar, and then I walk. I said, that's what you do? He says, come on. You, have, you, you could be doing a lot better than that. Take this boat. He says, what do you want me to do? He says, I'll tell you, take the boat, go out and fish all day. If you fish all day, you'll collect a lot of fish. And with, so he says, okay, so then what? He says, then you sell the fish and you make money. He says, okay, and then what? He says, then you'll make money and then you could be able to buy a few boats. And now you could have three or four boats. He says, okay, and then. And then after that, you can hire different guys to run the boats. And now you'll have a few people fishing and you start to collect a lot of fish. And then what? He says, then after four or five years, you'll start to sell. You'll probably be able to even sell to neighboring islands. you make a lot of money. He says, okay, and then what? He says, then after five, ten years, you'll start to be able to buy a big ship and with this ship, you'll be able to collect thousands of fish at one time. Wow. So now what? Now he says, then you can start selling it to the big cities. And you could, be, you could export and import. You can make a lot of money. He says, okay, then what? He says, then probably after 15 years, you can go public on the New York Stock Exchange and you can make millions. He says, wow. He says, and then what? He says, then you can keep selling and keep selling until finally you can retire. He says, and then what? He says, then you can move to a small island buy a little boat and you could go out fishing during the day and you could come home in the afternoon and spend time with your amigos and then you could walk with your wife. I mean, the truth is, it's cute. It's what we do every day of our life. We're waiting, we're running as if somewhere out there there's happiness and somewhere out there we're going to get it. With another $20,000 we're going to be good. If we just make sure we just fix this if we just fix that part of the house or we get that new car or we just get our one child organized in school we got it I promise you that as far as the fish run there's always a big fish out there to gobble up something 
There's always another little mole, little frog, ready to pop up to take, distract us. When we know, when we'll be successful, when we'll be happy, is when we know all we have to do is have. And when we do our have, in reality, we really have everything.